0: Welcome back, everybody. I hope you are doing well. I was about to say happy Tuesday. But to be quite honest, I don't think this is going live on a Tuesday. Our editor has been a little bit behind. And uh, sometimes our episodes go out a little bit later in the week. But either way, I really want to thank you for your patience. And thank you that you're here every week and tuning in. We've been getting so much great feedback from some of our last few episodes, especially the business episode that I did a while back in August, episode 165, if you want to dive in to the biz chat where I spoke about content creation and social media followers and really diving into your niche. It was uh, a really great and fun episode because as you know, I do run a business mentorship program and coach a lot of students and nutritionists and practitioners and coaches to really build, grow and scale their online business. So business and entrepreneurship and online marketing, it does come pretty naturally to me. I just love chatting about it. We got some really great feedback for our episode last week with Julie Danilich, How to Break Up with Sugar, which I feel like we're heading into that time of year with Thanksgiving coming up and then holidays. Like, This is the time of year where I find things can go downhill for a lot of people because with like work stress and school and holidays, things just like move so fast at this time of year. Like I literally can't believe that Thanksgiving is coming up in a couple weeks and then we're going to have Halloween. And then before we know it, we're Christmas shopping and then we're celebrating for the holidays and it just It can be this time of year, this like three-month stretch between October, November, and December where we can really fall off of our routines and fall into the trap of not really taking care of ourselves and just not really eating well. So if you're looking for strategies to break up with sugar, do dive into that episode from last week, 168, and our episode that was on September 9th where we chatted about inflammation, obesity, and food politics. It was a really great episode. With Maddie Lansdowne, and he gave some really great tips for managing inflammation and just really whole body health. So, thank you everybody for your feedback and for sharing that with me over on Instagram. I love that you guys tag me and you share the episodes, and I love seeing that. It really truly does mean so, so much. So, something random, a little bit funny the other day, I was chatting with a client on the phone, and my cat, this has actually happened numerous times. And so, my cat, our cat monkey, he's our oldest cat he's like really loud like when he meows he's like he's loud and he like roars and so I'm on this call with this client of mine and she's like oh I didn't know you have a son you know speaking of kids like at this time of year like what kind of snacks and things do you give your kids for like back to school and stuff and I was like oh my god first of all (laughs) that is my cat I don't have kids. Some people think that I do and that's totally okay, but I do not have kids and that is my cat and that has happened numerous times where they have heard him meowing and like yelling in the background and they're like, oh, I didn't know you had a son. And I'm just like, what? I don't know where you thought that that sounded like a kid, but anyways, it was kind of funny and so we started chatting about snacks and all that kind of stuff and I have some awesome options for you guys. Now, of course, outside of the obvious, like, fruit and veggies which are obviously really great to give your kids for back to school we have some great discounts with some awesome companies if you were looking to give your kids like a really good healthy treat and something that tastes really good and a little bit chocolatey like kind of feels like it's a dessert but it's actually not so if you are familiar with midday squares Gayton and I are obsessed with them. We literally have like three to four bars in our fridge at all times. I am really in love with them. They're so delicious. They ship to Canada and the US and they're so damn good. And you will find them in the refrigerator section, FYI. If you can't find them like with all the other regular bars in a health food store, go to the refrigerator and you will see them there. They have a fudge flavor the almond crunch, and then the peanut butter, which is really good. They're all really good. They are kind of known as like the first functional chocolate bar. So they are organic chocolate, non-GMO chocolate, gluten-free They are dairy-free, soy-free, diabetic-friendly, and they've got protein and fiber and some really great omegas in there. They boost your mood, they're brain fuel, and they definitely kill your hunger because they're very, very satiating. So I'm a really big fan of them. Obviously, like, each flavor has a different ingredient list, but like, for example, the fudge has dark chocolate, pumpkin seeds, yakon syrup, maple syrup, cacao powder, hemp protein concentrate, sacha inchi protein, maca, pink salt, really clean, healthy ingredients. So, a lot of that you'll find basically across with all of their bars. Just the flavors are a little bit different. So, like, obviously, there's peanut butter in the peanut butter one. The almond crunch has some almond in there. It has roasted. Almonds in there, but it also has some sorghum flakes. And so you get a little bit of a crunch when you bite into that one. I really, really love that one. So they are delicious. And if you're looking for a treat to give to your kids for either back to school or maybe something for yourself that you really want to enjoy, whether it's at the end of the day or you know midday, hence why they're called Midday Squares, uh, you can save 15% off. So head on over to middaysquares.com, use the coupon code HEALTHYHORMONES15, that's one five, enter that at checkout and you can save 15% and they will ship right to you and you will have to store them in the fridge. You can buy them in a 12 pack and they also have a starter pack. So you get the variety of three of the fudge, three of the peanut butter and three of the almond, which is always what we have on hand. So we love them. They're so good. And then of course, Eaton Hemp, you probably heard me speak about them before. Eaton Hemp has some really great superfood bites and you can also save 20% on their website. You can actually save 20% site wide, but they have their organic superfood bites and they're really, really delicious. They have Flavors like cranberry bliss, peanut butter, chocolate chip, tropical daydream, and their chocolate verve. And these are loaded with omega-3s from hemp. They are really delicious, they are free of refined sugars, they're all organic, they are gluten-free, vegan, raw, and also a really, really great option if you are looking for a back to school treat. They come in these like little balls, like these little bites, and just loaded with some really clean ingredients and they all taste delicious. I have all four of them on hand. Yes, I do. And I'm working on putting together like a really good recipe with them where I can like maybe top them on top of a cake, like, you know, crumble them up. I've actually taken some and I've crumbled them into my smoothies. I don't know what it is. I like to either put like cow nibs in my smoothies or like Coconut chips in my smoothies, or I like again. I take these superfood bites and I break them up and put them in my smoothies. I just like when I'm drinking my smoothie, I have like a little bit of crunch or like almost something I'm like chewing and eating. I don't know what it is. That's just my thing, but I love them. They're so delicious. You can head to eatenhemp.com and use the coupon code Healthy Hormones, and that will save you 20% off at checkout. All right, so let's dive into our episode today. I'm really excited to be interviewing Esther Bloom. She is an integral dietitian and high performance coach. She has helped thousands of women permanently balance their hormones and lose stubborn belly fat by treating the root cause of their health struggles. She is the best-selling author of Cave Women Don't Get Fat, Eat, Drink and Be Gorgeous, Secrets of Gorgeous, and the Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous project. She currently maintains a busy virtual practice where she provides 360 degrees of healing with physical, psychological, emotional, and spiritual support. She believes that diet and supplements are the foundation to healing, but treating the whole person is paramount. And it's a really juicy episode today. We chat about hormones, of course, and some of the most important things we can do to really support our hormone health and optimize our hormones and balance them. We talk a lot about some of the biggest complaints that women find when they're entering into their perimenopausal years. We talk about some, you know, really big health struggles that women are often struggling with today and some of the biggest challenges they're facing with actually reaching their health goals. And we also talk about some really big health myths that are actually not supported by science. Things like lifting weights are going to bulk you up or eating too much protein is going to impact your kidneys. And there's a few others we dive into. It's really good, really juicy. I know you are going to get a lot of value out of it today. So let's dive in. Enjoy. Hi, Esther. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you with me today.
1: Thanks for having me, Samantha.
0: Yeah. It's going to be a really great episode. I know we've got lots of juicy info to dive into. And before we do that, I would love it if you can share with our audience a little bit more about you and who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah. So I'm an integrative dietitian, which means I'm a clinically trained Dietitian. I went through, you know, a bachelor's and master's in clinical nutrition and actually spent the first five years of my career working in a hospital, working cardiology units, but really all sorts of ICUs with diabetes and AIDS and liver failure and a whole host of medical problems. And really felt sad and sorry that you know, I had about 10 minutes to give someone diet counseling after they've had a major cardiac event or a major health issue and decided to get certified in functional medicine because I was like, I have two degrees. I don't know anything about supplements. I don't know anything about therapeutic diets. And I don't really feel like I'm helping people enough or really curing them. So I went and got certified in functional medicine and then went rogue and left the hospital. I worked for (laughs) functional medicine doctor in New York City. Ron Hoffman, who was great, taught me so much and then opened up my own practice full-time. I I started to practice part-time at the hospital and then really went into it full-time and started writing books and the rest is history, as they say.
0: Amazing. I love that. Now, I know that you've gone through your own ups and downs with Hormones and health and whatnot. (laughs) I'd love it if you could just dive into that a little bit and share a little bit of your backstory there.
1: Yeah. Well, certainly I've had my own health struggles over the years. And after my son was born, he's now 14 and a half. And after he was born, just developed the most debilitating insomnia, couldn't figure out like what was going on with my health. I nursed him for a year. I was working, I was writing books and really just struggling. And in hindsight, I mean, I had postpartum depression that was totally undiagnosed. I mean, I had suicidal thoughts. So right. that to me, and of course, under no conditions of no sleep, anyone wants to kill themselves. Of oh, course, there's for a, sure. I mean, there's yeah. a reason why terrorists use it as a form of torture, but just struggled with health issues. I'm currently dealing with Lyme and mold, actually, which I'm cleaning out. And by the way, just sidebar everybody, I did four Lyme tests till I found one that was accurate. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Sidebar. Yeah. And I did a mold remediation and we still had a moisture issue that we, you know, we had to put in a dehumidifier system in our whole basement and mudroom and garage and all that. So, you know, it's just been time and process. Now I'm 51. I would say I'm in perimenopause. I take progesterone every night and sleep beautifully now and take DHEA by day and have great energy. So that is like partial hormone replacement therapy. Once my cycle stop, I will fully load up on estrogen. I could do testosterone now I found it disrupted my sleep. I tried it a couple of years ago, I probably could reintroduce it now. But mm-hmm. to me, the greatest way to manage your hormones and, and women, I'm actually writing my next book on menopause, no surprise there. But I want to teach women that you can go through menopause and not gain a shit ton of weight and sleep through the night and have great libido and not have vaginal dryness and have good bone density. It's really possible when you nail down the lifestyle pieces, right? For sure. I mean, yeah. So you got to get good sleep. That's first and foremost you got to move your body every day. Don't expect to sit all day and have a healthy metabolism. It's really hard to do that. Sitting is kind of the new diabetes, right? For sure. So um, you got to walk, you got to walk every day that requires no gym and no special equipment. So no excuse why you can't walk. And you got to lift weights. You know, I strength train two to three times a week and I eat really, really healthy. My doctor joked, he was like, look at my inflammatory markers. Like my CRP was 0.5. And he's like, So you actually do what you say you're doing. Most (laughs) people don't. And I was like, that's right. And I'm, you know, very minimal gluten. I I have minimal dairy too. And mostly just real food, lots of meat, lots of vegetables, good carbs, you know, potatoes, sweet potatoes, rice. So it's simple living and it's not complicated to go through menopause. Well, it's really not. You just, you have to have good testing. Yeah. Look at your gut function. Yeah. Look at your hormones and you have to have a good doctor who can prescribe you hormones and not be afraid to use them in what is considered off label and traditional Western medicine, which is fascinating to me, but totally. functional medicine, it's like, all right, bring it on. So yeah. I have so much to say about that. Yeah, no, I love so it. I want to,
0: <laughs> I want to dive into all of it. I just want to backtrack for a second, just on the topic of limes. Was mm-hmm. there a specific test that was better than another or like, what is the testing that you found to be really helpful for you?
1: Galaxy test. And they really are great at testing for the co-infections too, you know, particularly Bartonella, which I did have you know, other tests I did, it was like, well, you have some DNA. It's possible that you've had a Lyme exposure, but we don't know. And this is like, nope, you've got past, You probably have a current infection as well. And here's your list of co-infections. And wow. because it's been such a chronic issue for me, my doctor actually is treating me with herbal antibiotics. And let me tell you, it's so interesting because I kept running my own GI maps and I had like, you know, SIBO and just really bad dysbiosis. And it was getting worse. And I had H. pylori. I was like, oh my God, it's worse. And I did all the biofilm disruptors and everything once and and just nothing worked. And I also had some pelvic floor dysfunction and had to go on antibiotics for like embedded bladder infections. I mean, oh, the joys of, you know, aging, which by the way, get your pelvic floor in order, especially if you've had an episiotomy, otherwise you will be incontinent when you're older. So That's also really an important sidebar. It's a sidebar to the sidebar. But once I started treating the lime with amazing herbs that we have every day, things like cryptolepis and skullcap and cat's claw, Mm -hmm. my gut completely normalized within a month. And I was like, wow, I haven't had things this solid and regular in years. It was always just a hot mess where I was just going to the bathroom a lot, really, really, really bloated. Like, The top of my stomach came to an apex, like a point almost above my belly button. And now it's like, I really lost a lot of bloat. My pants fit again. I'm like, oh, this is so nice. So it really makes a difference. And I I don't feel like my stomach walks into the room five minutes before I do. (laughs) 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 <laughs> so, That's hilarious, you know, but I had been treating just the gut. I hadn't been treating the underlying condition for the gut. So when someone has SIBO, when someone has, oh, and I had like off the charts candida, it was even in my blood. And I did a month of Diflucan. I did Zyfaxan. like nothing was nailing it. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Right. Once I treated the lime and, and the mold, which mold annihilates gut bacteria. So once I started putting in really good air purifiers and drying the air out, cleaning up, like if you can even just get ahead of the mold, you don't have to eradicate it completely, but if you can get ahead of it and let your body, you know, recover, it's like, oh my God, what you're capable of is amazing. And that's the cool thing, right? Is I've had so many health struggles. I've had like mercury toxicity and Epstein bar and all this other crap. And every time, you know, my body has made a comeback. So that's why it used to freak me out. Like, what is all this crap I'm dealing with? This is so overwhelming. And now I'm like next. Like the, <laughs> the key is just find the right practitioner to For heal sure. you. Cause I yep. definitely have been to many, mm-hmm. many practitioners. I certainly could have had a Birkin bag by
0: now, but uh, <laughs> and the testing is important too, you know, it, like um, it's true. Mm-hmm. A lot of the just typical allopathic doctors and the testing that they run is just so ancient and it's like pulling teeth just to get the proper lab work and it's very like surface level. So this is why like the testing is really important. So you mentioned galaxy, that's the name Mm -hmm. of the test or it's the name of the lab or it's the
1: name, you know what, I'm going to look it up right now, just as we're talking, but I, yeah, it's galaxy Lyme test. Okay. And so if you go to galaxydx.com.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and again, I, I have zero affiliation with this lab at all. My doctor is the one who reviewed it with me. Like have your doctor have a functional medicine doctor run it, who deals with Lyme, ideally right. a doctor who's had Lyme themselves, because they're gonna have a lot more skin in the game and really understand. And Lyme's tricky because it's like a spirochete and it can really burrow in. You've got to do some biofilm disruptors and it evolves. It can eradicate, you know, you can eradicate it and it can come back. And I, I think that from what I understand after doing this for like 27 years is that major hormonal events can trigger or reactivate imbalances in your system. So, you know, puberty, things change. When we hit puberty, then we yep. go through childbirth. If you have gone through childbirth, then perimenopause, menopause, you know, all of these giant shifts can really upset your equilibrium. So you have to kind of have your head up on the swivel, say, okay, what's going on? What's the bigger picture and try and figure
0: those pieces out. For sure. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. I, I know we'll get people yeah. asking, so I want to make sure I have that so I can put it in the show notes for sure. And so you mentioned pelvic floor support, I'd love mm-hmm. to dive a little bit deeper into that and, and like what that really looks like for someone that's listening yeah. is like, where do I start with that?
1: Yes. So it's funny. So I started with, I was again, full disclosure here, right? Nothing's off table. I was peeing like five to seven times a night. And I was like, what is going on? Like, I don't drink a lot. I really cut my fluid back. I was like, what is happening? I was adding salt to all my water. And so I uh, a girlfriend of mine had a similar issue. She was like, you could have like an embedded bladder infection. So I asked my doctor about my doctor's like, no, that's not a thing of course. So I went to her urologist in New York, this wonderful man, David Kaufman, not great bedside manner, but a great yeah. diagnostician. And we did a cystoscopy and he showed me like the whole inside of my bladder wall. It was like cobblestone. Like it was like red, angry. It, it's called cobbling. And there's all this inflammation. He was like, you have these chronic embedded infections. So I did have to take a month of antibiotics. He wanted me to take more. And I, Developed very bad reflux after it took me about six months to kind of heal that up. For sure. And I did, and he was, he did an internal exam and I had all of these trigger points. You can have trigger points kind of inside the vaginal wall where you're just either holding tension or the muscles are so weak. So, my guess is again, I'm not a pelvic floor therapist. I don't fully understand the mechanics, but I believe, you know, the muscles are so weak surrounding the pelvic floor that your pelvic floor tightens up to compensate. And what that does is it decreases the volume of space around your bladder. So you have to put a wand up inside and press on the trigger points and that relaxes the muscles and then opens up room for your bladder to fully expand mm-hmm. and fully, you know, release all the urine inside when you pee. So everything's complete, you Get like a complete evacuation. So once you release your p- trigger points in order to prevent them from coming back, you have to strengthen the pelvic floor muscles. So, how do you do that? Because, especially if you're someone who sneezes when you pee, appease when you sneeze, yeah. or jump on a trampoline, or you can't run or laugh, like your pelvic floor really needs a lot of support. So, the muscles that are active that help surround it certainly bridges, hip bridging is very helpful yeah. for pelvic floor squats you can do, there's ones, it's so funny, I just sent them to a client of mine today who is having a pelvic floor issues. You can do, you really, it, it really helps to work with a uh, therapist, a yeah, specialist yeah, who sure. goes in and, and will customize your pelvic floor exercises, but also things like, you know, one-legged forward bends, you know, holding a Like
0: one-legged deadlifts. One-legged deadlifts. Thank you. Those are
1: anything that supports, you know, the area kind of like the lower end of your butt basically, Mm -hmm. and and also engages your core. So the other thing is I used to hold like a, a small, probably a six or eight inch diameter rubber ball that's inflatable. I hold it between my knees, whenever I'm exercising and that automatically engages right. the lower abs. Because what women don't realize also is after you have a baby, and especially if you have a C-section, the nerves in that area, they stop engaging. And I kept saying for years, I can't engage my butt I have this flat pancake butt and I I can't engage my lower abs. Like, I don't know what's going on. Finally, they were like, duh, you had a baby. And so how are people supposed to know this? Mm -hmm. This is why I'm going to write this menopause book and put this all in there because women need to know the importance of pelvic floor therapy. And she said to me, if you hadn't done this, you'd be incontinent." When you're older, wow. I haven't had any issues yet, but I was like, thank God we did this. You know, yeah, thank God.
0: that's really now great. I do
1: them two or three times a week, religiously. They are a big part of my weight training regime. And the good thing is like, they help your booty be really strong and totally. everyone wants a strong booty.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Deadlift squats, bridges. Those are a part of my weekly routine. Yeah. Those are always my go-to. Yeah. So, yeah. so important. Absolutely. So important. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you even mentioned too earlier, you know, like weight training and movement and exercise, and this is so important in terms of just not just body composition and hormonal health, but like, as we age, we lose that muscle mass and the bone density and weight training is going to be so ideal for that.
1: It is. And, you know, it makes me more passionate about, because I am treating women my age who cannot get up out of a chair comfortably, who cannot get up off a floor comfortably. I'm like, dude, you're 51. we got to get you strong. Or you're 49 or 47 or 53. Way too young for this. So we have to really strengthen our core and our legs and our back and our arms and be able to lift yourself out of a swimming pool if there aren't steps, or if you fall on the ground, get up or get in and out of a car, run up and down the stairs of your house. You've got to be really strong and stay active. It's key. And a lot of women are very afraid about weightlifting. They hear it and they say, no, I'm going to get really bulky. No, I always bulk up. So let's debunk that myth for a minute. Yes,
0: let's do that. And I know we have a few other myths we can dive into too. So let's start with that one.
1: Let's start with that one. So women, we simply do not have the testosterone to possibly bulk up. Okay. None of us are John Cena. None of us are Sylvester Stallone. We (laughs) don't have the testosterone. If you are bulking up, it is usually because you are temporarily Getting a nice little testosterone bump. Maybe if you're eating a little more carbs with your workout, you're going to retain a little more water. And so the underlying muscle will push the fat out a little bit. So temporarily you'll look bulkier. Once you lose the fat, fat shrinks and the muscle comes out and you do look leaner. And your pants do fit better and your booty is a bit higher. So it's very hard to bulk up. You also have to eat a lot of calories to bulk up. Yes. Most women are under eating their calories. Half my women, I have to diet down and put them in a deficit. But the other half, I actually have to diet up and say, you're not eating enough calories. Your thyroid is going to shut down in about six to 12 more months. If you don't reverse this, if you don't eat more calories, you don't eat more carbs. And most women are eating between 12 and 1500 calories. If you're lifting heavy and often that's actually not enough calories for you. So Absolutely. you really do need more than that.
0: Yeah. I, I'm so glad you dove into that. Cause I do think a lot of women are fearful of lifting weights because of that very reason of bulking up. But then again, they don't realize like the amount of calories needed, <laughs> like to put on just like a pound of muscle mass, what's required to do that is a significant increase in caloric intake. Mm-hmm. And yeah, most women are just, are just not, and a significant increase in the amount of weight that you're lifting too. So.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And it, it does, it takes a long time to actually build muscle. It does. So if you feel you don't want to pack on muscle, at least make your mission not to lose anymore because, yes, you know, we do get age-related muscle loss. It's called sarcopenia and mm-hmm. it's a very real thing. You know, we lose a pound of muscle a year, half a pound to a pound muscle. And that's very hard to put back on. on. Yeah. So you want to make sure also that you're eating enough dietary protein and how much is enough, you know, there's adequate, and there's optimal, okay, the dietetic association will have you eating 80 grams of protein a day. That is what I would put my dialysis patients on when I worked in the hospital. Okay. So no, that is not enough. I really like women having 120, 140, 150 grams of protein, it ends up being a gram per pound of ideal body weight. Okay. Right. So if you're 250 pounds, no, I don't need you to eat half a cow a day, but I need you to have a baseline of at least 120 to 150 Totally. Okay, grams. There was a great study um, that looked at Navy SEALs. Now, of course, this is men, not women, right. but put Navy SEALs under you know, they're already under harsh conditions of burning a ton of calories. And they gave them, I think it was 1200 calories and a hundred grams of protein a day. And they were able to sustain and not lose muscle on that. So I'm like, please don't go below a hundred grams a day, but yeah, you know, if you can get at least 120, you're doing great. It's That's very helpful for women.
0: Absolutely. And I feel like that's, that's really just the first step for so many women to take, especially when it comes to the weight loss question of how do I lose weight? I mean, that's not the easiest question to answer because there's so many variables involved, but like a simple thing that women can do is start to increase that protein intake and that can really help to support weight loss for sure. So speaking of myths, okay. So there was weight lift and that's going to bulk you up. (laughs) Now that we're speaking about protein, there's often a myth around protein and its impact on kidneys. So maybe we can bust that myth. Yes.
1: So my, last book, cave women don't get fat is a paleo diet for women. <laughs> yeah, And once again, I went and dug up all the studies that show, you know, as you increase your protein intake, and unless you are in kidney failure, okay, this is the only exception to this rule. Once you increase your protein intake, your kidneys adjust, and they're not excreting excess calcium, And you're not going to lose any bone density and you're not going to shut down your kidneys. And I can tell you, I'm living proof of someone who eats very high protein. I have been for years. And you know, my blood markers were all, well, at least for inflammation and kidneys were good. My eosinophils were off because of the Lyme, but other than that, (laughs) that's how we knew there was something wrong, but, but no, it really does not shut down your kidneys. And again, my patients all who really embrace this really enjoy radiant health. Now, what if you're vegan vegetarian, it is harder for you to meet your protein needs on that. For example, in order to get the equivalent of four ounces of chicken or steak or fish, you have to eat two cups of quinoa or beans, maybe lentils is a cup and a half, but you got to eat a lot Mm -hmm. to just get four ounces of protein. So it's animal equivalent wise, it's much more efficient and lower calorie. You know, one chicken breast would have four to five ounces of protein and only 200 calories. And you know, you're not going to bloat up from that the way you might with all the carbs. Right. So try to find uh, alternative sources. If, I mean, if you can get pea protein, that's a good source of protein for at least one of your meals. If you eat dairy and eggs, you can get protein that way. Cottage cheese is actually an awesome source of protein yeah. and, and eggs are too. Awesome. So
0: Yeah. Okay. That's great. So speaking on the topic of meat, another big myth is that it is bad for the environment.
1: Yeah. So listen, nobody loves factory farm meat. I don't like factory farm meat. It's really unethical. The animals are not treated well, but the question about greenhouse gases comes up Mm -hmm. often and really the authority on this is a dietician named Diana Rogers, who wrote a book called sacred cow and just her sustainable dish, sustainable dish is her podcast. And, you know, her statistics are amazing. And when you purchase regenerative agriculture, this is meat and livestock grazed in the wild, right? A they're pooping in grass and in the fields where they live. And then they're stomping that into the soil when they're walking And that captures carbon emissions, right? Not only that, but they're grazing on land that would otherwise be not usable. So they're using the land, when they're especially going high up in the mountains, like farmers aren't farming, you know, high up in the mountains. So it's a sustainable form of agriculture and really the real source of carbon emissions is you know automobiles yep um, it's
0: traffic, electricity and dust industrial yeah
1: industrial it's the percentage of emissions from cows is 1 or 2% it's very yeah, i though.
0: think livestock is like 3.9% and okay. of that beef specifically is only 2%
1: there you go okay.
0: yeah yeah
1: so yeah so there there is a big Plant-based agenda. Not to get too political here, but there's a lot of money to be made in, you know, raising a lot of pea protein to sell commercially or totally. soy protein. Soy. Mm-hmm. And bear in mind, tons of animals are killed harvesting these crops too. They're yep. caught up in the threshers and they get killed that way too. And it does really um, destroy the soil. It robs it of its nutrients. It's to me like the equivalent of coal mining. Like what it does to the soil and the earth around it. So I think balance it out. If you want to make a conscious choice and eat sustainably, then buy from sustainable companies. There's, oh, Force of Nature is a company I use. There's Certified Piedmontese is another really great one. There's so many great companies that you can order from that sustainably harvest their meat. You can buy from local farmers. We Absolutely. so there's a lot of ways that you can do it in a very conscious and mindful way. And, you know, I find pound for pound, it costs the same, it, right. you know, a pound of buffalo or elk costs the same as a pound of beef ground. So it's worth
0: right. it. Yeah. yeah. And I, and just an FYI for some of those Canadian listeners, because I think some of those companies that you're mentioning are probably in the U.S. Yes. Yeah. So we do have a lot. That. Oh, and yes. that's okay. Cause we have a lot of U.S. listeners. So definitely check those out. And then- I can't even think of like, oh my God, I'm like so drawing a blank here for like Canadian listeners specifically, Mm. but I know we just go to like local farmers markets and always connect with farmers that are there. And that's how I have found some amazing meat. And now I just go direct to farmer and I just buy off of their farm and- it's all local and it's grass fed and it's organic. And the one place we go to, like they sing to their animals and play music and like, it's, it's really beautiful. And when you speak with the farmer and really understand their process and their passion, you know, you really want to invest in that. Right. Yeah. Oh
1: my gosh. Yes. Yes. That's beautiful. God bless those farmers. Yeah, they're really beautiful.
0: It is, it is. Okay, and so lastly on this debunking some myths, I want to talk about eggs and cholesterol.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's the one question to this day I still get. I've done posts on it. There is not one published research study that shows eggs raise cholesterol. So there was one study done on powdered eggs that were very oxidized and it was a very poorly designed study. So- eggs, your liver manufactures seven eggs worth of cholesterol a day. Why? Because you need it. You need the choline for your brain function. And the only food sources on the planet of choline are liver and eggs, especially the yolks. So eggs are a precious nutrient. They protect your nervous system, which is, you know, your brain and your spinal cord are covered in essential fatty acids and EPA and DHA. So eggs are very important for that. And if you're not eating cholesterol, your body will manufacture it. Once you've eaten, you know, your daily necessary amount of a required amount of cholesterol for your body and your nervous system to function, it's a feedback loop. Your body just shuts off its production. Right. So, you know, eating dietary cholesterol does not raise your cholesterol. It really doesn't. And you know, we know that cholesterol serves a really vital function. So circle back to when I was working in the cardiology units, and people would have heart attacks, their cholesterol would drop dramatically. And it's believe that the cholesterol rushes to the site of inflammation to go in and heal and protect the arterial walls. So you really want to make sure that you are getting good quality cholesterol and you're eating liver and you're eating red meat and you're eating egg yolks and you're eating butter. Those are some of the most nutritious fats there. And in the twenties, at least in the U S we have the highest consumption of butter and red meat and the lowest incidences of heart disease, right? And once the fifties came along and we started making all these TV dinners and Crisco and canola oil and all these Mm -hmm. hydrogenated oils came on the market and safflower and sunflower and corn oil, right? Mazzola was, and Wesson oils were huge. They were always advertised on TV growing up and margarine. That's when heart disease really started. And now, you know, we have this massive obesity epidemic. And so you were seeing fatty acid plaques in kids who are like between eight and 12 years old. Mm. So it's really insane what's happening. So you really want to make sure you're eating the really good food. And by the way, when you eat, you know, fat with your meals, you're going to feel fuller. You're not going to crave things. You're going to feel more satisfied
0: when it's from real food. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And I just know from, you know, personal experience, eating those foods really satiate me. And even a couple of days where I didn't have any butter or eggs or enough meat or protein, like, (laughs) you know, and good saturated fats and things like that. I can feel it. I feel it in my moods and my sleep gets disrupted. Like within three days, I can start to notice that even like brain health and focus Mm -hmm. and yeah, it really starts to impact me. So something to pay attention to. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. And listen, if you can get your neighbor's eggs or go to a farmer's market and get the right. farm fresh eggs, I mean, oh my gosh, amazing. Because the chickens are feeding on grubs and worms and seeds right. and like the yolks are so bright and beautiful. You know that the nutrient content is so rich. It's great.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, another, I don't know if I would call this necessarily a myth, but I guess there's a lot of hesitation and perhaps confusion around bioidentical hormones. So, I'd love to chat about that a little bit. And for women, maybe who are listening right now and who are maybe in their late forties thinking about potentially going on hormone replacement therapy. And, you know, what does that really look like? Where does somebody really start with that? Cause it can be hard to really navigate.
1: It's really hard to navigate. So I always advocate testing. Don't guess, of course. And, you know, even if you have, So a couple things, okay, bioidentical hormones are much easier to assimilate and excrete from the body. They're better tolerated, less side effects, less dyes and synthetics. And so you can get them from a compounded pharmacist, will make them for you. And the benefits that I see are, uh, gee, something really nice called bone density, Uh, (laughs) Bare bone density. Less brain fog to no brain fog, good quality sleep, good libido, no vaginal dryness or painful sex, no breast tenderness or irritability or rage. So, all of those can happen when we're in a state of imbalance. So, by the time a woman comes to me, she's usually in it or she's like been out of, you know, she hasn't had a period in a year. So, it's tech or more. So, it's technically fully in menopause, but is still hot flashing at night and feeling all the symptoms and just has gained a lot of weight, like really not her best self. So uh, I do a couple of different tests. Number one, I do a stool test and I look at the state of your flora and your fauna. And I look at whether or not you have underlying pathogens or bacteria that don't belong there or candida to make sure that you're, that you have a really healthy, balanced microbiome. Why is this important? Because in order to have a really great menopause and be able to detox estrogen properly, right? Really, you know, your estrogen and your gut are deeply connected. You actually have what's called an estrobolome as well, in addition mm-hmm. to the microbiome. Yep. Right. So that is really important that you are able to excrete estrogen from your gut. Otherwise, you can keep recycling it over and over. Okay. And that is going to keep you feeling very estrogen dominant, you know, weight gain, breast tenderness, moodiness, irritability, water retention, hot, you know, even not hot flashes, that's usually estrogen deficiency, but will keep you feeling very, very poor. So you want to also make sure that you test your hormones. And I do comprehensive hormone testing and their metabolites. And I do this through a urine test. You can do at home, the Dutch test, Uh, the Dutch test, the Dutch complete. Yes. And so that tells me not only your production of estrogen, are you still producing it through your ovaries? Are your adrenals kicking in at this point? Is it your uterus what's happening? Right. And it tells me your pathways is your estrogen moving down the right pathway, right? Because some pathways are really pro-inflammatory, can cause a lot of DNA damage and predispose you to estrogen-dominant cancers. Right. So I need to make sure people are methylating properly, they're detoxing properly. And I need to also make sure your cortisol is really balanced, too low or too high, can make it very hard for you to lose weight and sleep and feel energized and feel calm and balanced. Totally. And then I'll also look at, again, your progesterone, levels, your progesterone production, your testosterone, your detoxification pathways, your DHEA. So we look at the whole big picture. And from there we'll recommend different delivery systems of your hormones. And this is based on the optimal absorption, what it needs to pass through, for example, A lot of women like to use progesterone cream for sleep, and that's really not the best delivery system. The most efficient is orally, either in a pill or a troche or troche, however you pronounce it, where it dissolves under the tongue. That is because progesterone really raises GABA to support your healthy neurotransmitter production, keep you calm and just knock you out, put you to sleep. Lovely. Estrogen is great in a patch because again, it's absorbed better subdermally. It doesn't have to go through the liver and the gut to be absorbed. Transdermally, I should say, not subdermally. And the same goes for testosterone as well. It's great as a cream. And DHEA, you can just take as an oral supplement. That you can even get over the counter, at least in the US. Yeah, in the US. Until the FDA gets involved, right? Yes. But so there's all sorts of different deliveries. Now, the interesting thing about... Hormone replacement is that doctors are very willing to put women on birth control pills for 30 years or IUDs, but they're terrified of bioidentical hormones and menopause. And that doesn't make sense. Or they'll say, well, let me, I'll just put you on the pill, a mini pill. You don't need a mini pill when you're going through menopause because you're not ovulating anymore. You're not trying to suppress ovulation. (laughs) and The pill can suppress your body's own production of hormones, which you do not want. So, and I should add too with the hormone replacement, if you have vaginal dryness and low libido, you can do inserts vaginally of estriol, which is a microdose. It's not really a form of hormone replacement. It's more just replenishment of moisture and hydration. And you can also use DHEA intravaginally too for healthier libido. And it also retains the tissues because without adequate estrogen and progesterone, you can have vaginal atrophy. And that's when sex can right. be painful.
0: Right.
1: You know, you can really struggle with feeling comfortable. And that's, we really want to strengthen the vaginal walls of pelvic floor therapy with hormones. So people often ask, what if I have breast cancer? What if, you know, I am not kidding. You, you can actually do it as long as your methylation pathways are good. Correct. You check your blood levels. Of your hormones within six to eight weeks of starting. You and you redo your Dutch tests, you know, every couple months in the beginning, you can really get on top of it and enjoy the benefits of hormone replacement and not be afraid. And the benefits far outweigh the
0: risks and the downsides for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just so key to mention here about the testing. And to make sure that you're working with a practitioner who's going to offer the appropriate testing, and it's not just going on bioidenticals and calling it a day, like you have to monitor that and do more testing and just like, make sure you're on the right dosing. It it could take a little bit of time, but monitoring is so key for longevity of it.
1: That's right. And you do often, you know, some people are great out of the gate. Most people do have to tweak their dose and either go up, increase or decrease. Right. And that's very normal. It's part of the process. It's not perfect at the gate. You know, women, it's like, I joke, like if you've ever seen, you know, the front panel of an airplane, right? The pilot's cockpit, like that's what a woman's hormones are like, There's right. <laughs> all sorts of switches and feedback balances. So it, you really have to calibrate and a woman's body is so sensitive. And we, as women know our bodies, we're very intuitive. And so I rely on my people to say, I'm not feeling this way. I, I'm not feeling great, or I, I'm still, my hot flashes are better, but I'm still waking up one or two times a night. Great. So we will partner with their doctor and say, okay, maybe we should up the dose of the patch a little more. Let's right. try that. Or we can add in some more progesterone. Or also, I want to mention a couple of things. One is even if you don't have a uterus or you've had a complete hysterectomy, you know, you you may still benefit from a little bit of progesterone to oppose estrogen, and just a very, very small dose. That's also beneficial. Right. And the other thing I was going to say is alcohol ladies. Mm. If you are in hormone replacement therapy, you should not be drinking a lot of alcohol because the research shows that when you drink on hormones, especially estrogen, your estrogen levels will increase for the length of time that that alcohol is in your system, which is usually about six hours. So you don't want to start jacking up your estrogen to all sorts of levels. And not only that, but it can make you really irritable, you know, hormones can be hard on the liver and adding alcohol to the mix, not helpful. And it can really screw with your sleep. So use alcohol judiciously. I'm not saying never drink again, but you'd be better off really, really limiting your drinks to like the really important, meaningful occasions
0: for sure. It will
1: help you feel a lot better. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Don't don't
1: replace and drink at the same time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really good tip. And I'm glad you went there. Well, thank you. That was so fantastic. And so many great knowledge bombs you dropped in that. Thank you so much. Where can our listeners connect with you and find you?
1: Okay. So you can go to estherblum.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-B-L-U-M. I have many free gifts. I have a three-day sugar craving Detox, get you off sugar in three days at most. You can follow me at Instagram, gorgeous Esther. Wow. And then for five of your listeners, Samantha, I did open up my schedule. If anyone wants a consultation, Amazing. a 30 minute consultation where they leave with three strategic and customized tips to help them, you know, balance their hormones or lose some weight that they've gained recently. So for that, you go to estherblum.com forward slash call C-A-L-L.
0: Amazing. Well, we will be sure to put that in our Ah. show notes. Thank you so much for all of that. And I'm sure everybody is very excited for your next book. Uh, (laughs) Whenever, yeah. Whenever that's going to, whenever I start writing it. Yeah. (laughs) It's a process been there. I know the feeling it can take time. So yeah, we'll definitely be anxiously awaiting that. And can't wait to hear more about that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And so um, much. Yeah. That was great. Awesome. Take care. Thank you, ladies, for tuning in today. You can head on over to Instagram and follow Esther. Her handle is at GorgeousEsther. And while you're there, be sure to come hang out with me on Instagram at Holistic Wellness foodie. And if you're interested to dive deeper into the world of entrepreneurship and marketing and sales and all things online business. I have another Instagram account and it's just my name at Samantha underscore Gladish. Thanks for being with me today. If you haven't left us a rating and a review, you can do so on any major platform. It really helps our podcast get noticed and it really helps us to connect with more women globally and really help support them in healing and transforming their health. Thanks for being with us today. I'll chat with you all next week. Have an awesome day.